from around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 you don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Greetings all who gather here and welcome to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, and even if it ain't, I must inform you that this is episode 23. My name is Pete. And this is Paul. And I'm Dave. Listeners, perhaps you noticed a difference in the way Dave said his name just now. Did you? No, we're not trying to fool you. If you recall, Dave left the show last episode to better administrate his own podcast, Quietly Yours. But that was Dave Feldman. And the Dave you just heard is another Dave. And we welcome him to our lineup now, Mr. Dave Robinson. Welcome to Old Time Radio Essentials, Dave. Thank you, Pete. I am, I am honored and delighted to be here, man. As well you should be. Dave. <laughs> what? Please what? tell us. Please tell our, our listener, our, our listeners, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> You've been looking at the Google stats again, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. I, I, I got to tell you, Pete, the older I get, the harder that question becomes to answer, man. Um, but basically, I'm, I'm a voice actor. Uh, I'm a huge game nerd, uh, role-playing games and board games, not so much video games. Uh, mostly, I just I really love stories. Uh, you know, telling, reading, writing, watching, listening. I don't care if it's a good story. I'm in. I'm in all the way. So it's really <laughs> when you say, "Tell us about yourself, Dave." It's like, well, I, I'm, I'm a multifaceted jewel, Pete. But uh, there is one salient point that is specific to this group uh, uh, and this show, and that is that back in 2003, my wife and I uh, founded a nonprofit radio theater company called Rabbit Hole Radio Theater. And together with a group of about 200 volunteers, we produced over 40 half-hour episodes of some quality original radio drama. So I am I am here for the radio drama experience. That's awesome. I hope to uh, form my own uh, audio drama troupe one day and and get into that same sort of thing. <laughs> Anybody Maybe. can do it. Anybody. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Pete, uh, question for you. D did you choose another Dave so you wouldn't have to change the embroidery on our napkins? I absolutely did, Paul. Those things are damned expensive. And I didn't want to spend time crossing out the name Dave with a Sharpie and then adding a different one. That's why we didn't get George Clooney like you wanted. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. It is, and we're going to further the conspiracy by asking Dave now to jump in with both feet and announce the purpose of our show. Get ready, folks, because you're going to want to throw rocks at the rest of us. Ah, red leather, yellow leather. Ah, okay, I'm ready for this. Here we go. Whoa. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old-time radio series. Episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series, or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss, either in person or on social media. 
<laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Do some more, Dave. Alrighty. <laughs> we will open each episode by introducing the selection, describing it briefly, and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end and discuss it at length, each of us giving their opinions of its merit, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Polly. Uh, what? what? It's, it's your turn, buddy. My turn? Say the thing. Oh, 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 yeah, sorry. <coughs> and that's exactly what we're presenting to you. Just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us, and in fact, we may not agree with each other, but we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Nice try, bud. Each of us three will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month, it was Paul's turn, and his selection was guest star Pat O'Brien from Duffy's Tavern, in case you missed it. This month, due to some weird arcane scheduling follow-ups that are entirely my fault, it's Paul's turn again. So, what do you have for us, Paul? I got us a classic radio detective, Boston Blackie. Boston Blackie, as it turns out, was written back in the 20s, and had nine silent movies made ever before the radio came out or before the radio program came out, I should say. It started off as just a 13-week run, but then they liked it enough. They brought it back, and it ran from 45 to 50. So it was a pretty popular show back in its day. Nice. Yeah, Boston Blackie was the literary creation of writer Jack Boyle, who grew up in California around Santa Clara. And why... (laughs) While working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, apparently the stress of the job just really became too much. And he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime and jailed for writing bad checks in order to feed his habit. Later, he was convicted of robbery and Boyle was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. Now, the first four stories appeared in the American Magazine in 1914, with Boyle writing under the pen name number 6066, which I can only assume was his prison number in San Quentin. Now, these stories quickly found additional fame, as Paul said, on the screen and eventually on the radio. Uh, The Boston Blackie series originated on NBC, but a new series from which tonight's episode comes ran in syndication from 45 to 1950. And so we present Murder at the Radio, uh, sorry, Murder at the Rodeo (laughs) from October 15th, 1946, and Boston Blackie. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency, get comfortable, and listen. How does he make his voice do that? Having trouble with those boots, Hazel? Mm. Not too much. Don't you wish you were in my boots, Bill? We'll take that up some other time. Right now, I've got to finish dressing and get out in the arena. I'm due to ride soon. Be careful you don't get killed, won't you? 
but not too careful. You think if something happened to me, Slim will stay married to you, don't you? Well, think again. You can't hold him, Hazel. Nobody's going to say I didn't try. I wouldn't try anything where I was concerned. I've got a very good friend in town, Hazel. Boston Blackie. Ever hear of him? Sure. Well, he's here tonight. I sent him tickets. A friend of mine out west said to look up Blackie in case I ever got in trouble. I'm just playing it safe, asking him to come tonight. Better go on out and ride that Bronco. Hey, anybody decent in there? Everybody is, Barney. Wait a minute. Go on in and talk to Hazel, Barney. I'm due out at the arena. But don't get too close to her. Rattler's bite can be cured, but hers... Uh-uh. Bye. So long, Bill. <laughs> kind of a feud going on between you two gals, ain't there, Hazel? I wouldn't say that. Bill would like people to think that, though. I always felt a rodeo ain't no place for feuds. We kind of all ought to be more like a family. Ever see a family without a feud? I never did. That ain't what I meant, exactly. The way the boys are saying, though, anything ever happened to Belle, you'd be blamed. I'd like that very much. Not the second part, of course, just the first. I don't know, Hazel. I still... Hey, listen. Boy, that's Slim. It was his turn to ride when I came in, and that's the way the crowd always yells when he's riding. He's a good man on a horse, Barney. Yeah. Best, maybe. Hey, what's wrong with me? Nothing. Slim wasn't around. You know, I think that without Slim here, you might have a... All right, boy. Hey. Bring her in. They're right down that cot over there. Okay, Doc. Be careful now. All right. Hurt real bad. Shut that door. Hey. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. What's happened? happened to Belle, Doc. She's not moving. Oh, no, that's right. I don't know yet how bad she's hurt. All I know, she got thrown from that Bronco she was riding. Got thrown, got thrown bad. Bill. Poor Bill. Poor Bill. You're kidding, ain't you, Hazel? And now meet Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. This is the dressing room where they took that girl ride, Mary. Come on, let's go on in. All right, anything you say, Blackie. Tell me one more thing, Doc. Hurt bad? Well, it's too early to tell, Barney. We'll have to wait till we get to the hospital. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Bud, nobody's allowed in here. I know that, cowboy, except by invitation. I'm Boston Blackie. I understand Bell Adams wanted to see me. Oh, yeah. Hey, Doc, uh, this is the guy Bell keeps asking for. Oh, yeah, Boston Blackie. Didn't get here a minute too soon. Just about to take her to a hospital right here. Oh, this is it, Mary. Come on. Okay. Hey, uh, tell her Barney asked for her, will you, Doc? Yes, Barney, I'll tell her. <laughs> Who's Barney? Her boyfriend, Doctor? Uh, one of them. Belle's the most popular girl in the road here. Is she badly hurt? It's hard to say this early. Had a nasty fall. Just regained consciousness a few minutes ago. Uh, Belle. Belle. Yeah. Boston Blackie's here. Hello, Miss Adams. You wanted to see me? Yeah, Blackie. Nevada Pete told me if I was ever in trouble to talk to you. Well, I'm in trouble. Terrible trouble. Oh, no, you're not. You'll be all right in a day or two. No, you don't get it, Blackie. Hazel fixed it so I'd take that spill. Hazel wants to kill me. Hazel? Hazel who? Uh, she must mean Hazel Henry, another rider in the rodeo. Yeah, Hazel Henry. She tried to kill me. She did something to the horse I was riding. Look at the horse. Uh, I... I don't think she ought to talk anymore, Blackie. All right, Doctor. I'll look at that horse, Bell. 
Now, don't worry about anything. Come on, Mary. I'm right here. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye. Thanks for coming down, Blackie. I was glad to do it. Oh, uh, hey, uh, how is she, Blackie? How is she? She's hurt all right, Barney, but it may not be too serious. Which way is it to the place where they keep the horses? Well, you, you turn to your right and you keep on going straight. You can't miss it. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute, Blackie. I almost forgot my hat. Oh, sorry, Mary. The corral is down this way. Okay, I got it. Oh, sure. I can even <laughs> hear it. Blackie, what did Belle mean when she said Hazel Henry did something to her horse so she'd be hurt? She meant Hazel did something to make the horse buck harder than normally, I guess. We'll find out in a minute. Here's the corral. Big place, isn't it? How are we going to find that horse that Bill rode? Well, we could spend all afternoon looking for it, or we could ask that cowboy spinning and throwing that rope over there. Oh, oh, maybe he'll teach me how to use a lasso. You know, I've always but wanted to be now, able to... But not now, Mary, not oh. now. Say, so you with the rope. Yeah. Uh, say, uh, where's the horse that Belle Adams was riding when she was thrown? Right over there in that stall, mister. She's a wild one. Don't go near her. Don't worry. I won't. Say, they've taken the saddle and bridle off her. Was everything all right? Funny you should ask that, stranger. Why? Funny the way you make that rope spin, too, cowboy. Listen, could you... Later, Mary, later, please. Uh, Why is it funny, I asked you, cowboy? Because the handlers found a burr under that Bronco saddle. That's what made her toss Belle the way she did. There was a burr under the saddle, huh? Blackie, then Belle was right. Hazel Henry did try to hurt her. Looks that way, Mary. I don't know if it was Hazel who put that burr there or not, but if it was, mister, it wasn't put there to hurt Belle. What makes you say that? Because the horse that Belle rode was supposed to be ridden by Slim Waters, but he didn't show up on time. Oh, I see. Funny thing, too, Mr. Slim Waters ain't never been late for a rodeo contest before in his life. All right, Slim. So somebody tried to fix you by putting that burr under the saddle of your horse. But you didn't ride it. So what am I supposed to do about it? Do what I sent you for, Inspector Faraday. Arrest Hazel Henry. She's the one who done it. How do you know? Because I'm married to her. But I want to leave her and marry Bill Adams. And Hazel swore she'd kill either me or Belle before she'd give me a divorce. Okay, okay, but that's all just talk, Slim. Give me some proof. I gotta have proof before I can do anything about it. On the first place... If that's Hazel, I want her arrested, Constable. Constable? Come in. Slim Waters? Yeah. Blackie, what are you doing here? Well, hello, Faraday. What are you doing here? Has somebody been murdered? No, but with you around, somebody probably will be. Slim, this is Boston Blackie. Hiya, Slim. Hi. What's Faraday got you on the carpet for? He ain't got me on the carpet. I sent for him. I want my wife Hazel arrested for trying to kill me. And getting Belle Adams by mistake. I ain't sure. Maybe she was trying to kill Belle and not me. I was late for the contest because my watch was slow, and it ain't never been slow before. What's that got to do with Hazel trying to kill Belle Adams? Well, I let Hazel use my watch this morning. She might have set it back just so I would be late. Or you might have set it back yourself, Slim. Huh? What do you mean by that? Nothing except... You could put a burr under the saddle of your horse if you knew you weren't going to ride. I don't like that. I'm getting out of here. What am I doing here anyhow? Nobody's done anything. Nobody's dead. Nobody's even hurt bad, as far as we know. I'm going home. Wait a minute, Inspector. Ain't you going to arrest Hazel? What for? So you can get rid of her that way? And I swear she's trying to kill me. Or kill Belle. Okay, okay. I'll go have a talk with her. Thank you. And tell her to stay away from me. Uh, I'll tell her something. So long, Faraday. Goodbye. Come on, Slim. Now, you suppose you tell me the truth. Maybe you'd better go where that cop just went. Out the door. 
Look, you'd like me to prove Hazel tried to kill you or Belle Adams, wouldn't you? When I want help like that, I'll get it from the police. Now, now, beat it. All right. But I still think you could have put that bar under the saddle of that Bronco and were purposely late so Miss Adams would ride it. Oh, you do, huh? Yes. It would be an easy way to get rid of your girl and your wife. I think I'll give that some thought, Slim. So long. Maybe you'd better give a couple of other things some thought, too, fella. Maybe you'd better think about keeping your nose out of my affairs. Oh, I don't know why you'd say a thing like that. Wow. This knife sticking in the wall could be sticking into me if I were a foot taller. Yeah, sure could. Do you grin every time you miss somebody with a knife, Slim? Maybe. Well, this just about clinches what I think about you, Slim. Then you better do some more thinking, you. Hey, who are you? Hazel, where'd you come from? Down the hall, Slim. What's this guy trying to do to you? Nothing. It's any of your business. No? But don't seem to be his business, either. And don't go accusing Slim of throwing that knife at you, mister, because I threw it. You're Hazel Henry, huh? You threw it. Yeah. Why? Just a little warning to you, mister, that I don't like nobody accusing Slim of trying to kill nobody. Faraday! Hey! What are you doing in your car, Blanky? Trying to find out who fixed up that Adams girl? Too much for you? No, I've got to get back because I have a dinner engagement with Mary. Well, where is she? Oh, she went home about half an hour ago. Some cowboy gave her a rope and she went home to practice throwing it. Yeah, I'll bet. Well, that's probably what she's doing instead of getting dressed for dinner right now. Which is what she went home to do. Uh, hop in, I'll drive you downtown. I'm not going downtown. I'm going home. Okay, hop in, I'll take you home. We can stop by Mary's first. All right. I want to talk to you anyway. What about? This business at the rodeo. You keep your nose out of it, Blanky. Nobody's done anything serious yet. But with you messing around, there's no telling what'll happen. No one's done anything serious yet, huh? Well, Belle Adams is lucky she didn't have her neck broken, and I'm just one foot short of being dead with a knife in the back of my head. What? Yes, and guess who threw it at me? A pleasant little girl named Hazel Henry. So that's why I couldn't find her. She was throwing knives at you. Yes, Faraday. And if you're smart, you'll find some way to lock her up. She's dangerous. I wouldn't be surprised if you had a homicide on your hands before long. So you think maybe Hazel Henry is the one we want, huh? Yes, and I think you've got an assault charge against her, and you'd better use it before you have to grab her on a murder rap. You know, I think you're out of your mind, Blackie. Well, if Hazel Henry makes trouble, you're out of luck. Turn on the radio, will you? I'm going to hear the news. Sure. It's a better way to kill time than listening to you. Uh, when am I going to hear over the radio that you've left town, Blackie? When radio is such an obsolete instrument, people won't even remember what it was. About uh, the year 10,000, Here's a last-minute report just handed to me. There's more than the excitement of thrills and spills at the rodeo over at the Coliseum. Murder has struck the gaily event. Murder, Champion he says. rodeo rider uh-huh. Hazel Henry was found shot to death in the corral under the stand. The body was found within Hazel the last Henry 10 shot. minutes. Turn that off, Barry. You bet police. I will. And you turn this car around. I was going to have trouble because of Hazel Henry, was I? Yeah. You sure were, and you sure are. And Faraday, now you don't have to worry about killing time. Just concentrate on who killed Hazel. And now, back to Boston Blackie. A girl rodeo rider, Belle Adams, is badly injured when thrown from a bucking bronco. 
A burr is found under the Bronco's saddle, and Bell accuses Hazel Henry of putting it there. To complicate matters, Bell is thrown while riding Slim Waters' horse. And it seems that Hazel was trying to injure Slim, who, while he's her husband, wants his freedom in order to marry Belle. But just when Blackie is building a case against Hazel, she's murdered. As we return to our story, Blackie, his friend Mary, and Inspector Faraday are at the rodeo, scene of the crime. So she was shot, was she, Faraday? Well, she has a bullet in her, Blackie. Even you should be able to tell she was shot. I wish the coroner would get here so I can go home. It's raining out, Faraday, and the streets are slippery. You want the coroner to get here alive, don't you? Yeah, I've had enough trouble for one day. Hey, Miss Wesley, what are you doing over there? Waiting for you and Blackie to decide who killed poor Hazel Henry and also trying to learn how to throw this rope. Now, I wonder what I'm doing wrong. Mary, put that rope away or you'll end up in knots yourself. Well, all right, but you two hurry up and find out... Who killed Hazel? Now, come on, come on, hurry up, or I'll do it myself. You'll do it yourself, huh? Well, somebody better, Faraday. You never will. Well, that somebody won't be you, genius. Uh, you don't have any idea who killed her, do you, Blackie? No. No, I don't. Well, in that case, I say it was Slim Waters, her husband. He was afraid of her, and he'll probably claim he killed her in self-defense. You think Slim killed her, huh? Then I don't. Well, then maybe it was Barney. Barney? Who's he? Oh, Blackie, I remember him. He was the cowboy in the dressing room who kept asking if Belle Adams was all right. Oh, yes. But how does he fit into this? I don't know. I'm only guessing. But maybe Barney was in love with the Adams girl, and he was trying to get rid of Slim. So he kills Hazel, Slim's wife. Now, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not talking about killing Hazel. I'm talking about that burr under the saddle of Slim's horse. I think Barney put it there. Barney and Slim are the top riders in the rodeo, you know? So you think if Barney didn't do it for the love of Belle, Adams, well, did it for the love of prize money, huh? Well, it could be. Could-be's don't prove murders, Faraday. I know that. Well, I know one person who didn't kill Miss Henry. Who? Belle Adams. She's in the hospital. You think so? I know so. Wasn't she hurt? Yes, but she's still alive, Faraday. And the fact that you think she's still in the hospital gives me a pretty good idea that she isn't. Oh, Blackie, you don't suspect Miss Adams, do you? I suspect everybody, Mary. That's why I solve cases when Faraday doesn't. My hunch is getting stronger every minute. I don't think Miss Adams is in the hospital. Well, I say she is. Well, I'm going up and prove she isn't. Uh, do I have to go all the way up to the hospital with you in all this rain? No, Mary, you stay here till I get back. And stop trying to throw that rope. Oh, golly, it didn't work that time either, did it? Now what did I do wrong? Never mind what you did wrong with the rope. I've got to find out who did wrong by Hazel Henry. <laughs> something funny going on here, and I intend to find out what it is. I'm very sorry, Blackie. Miss Adams is very ill. No visitors are allowed in her room. And I think I know why, too. She's not in her room. I'm very sorry, but you can't Look, go I in Look, I don't know there. what you're trying to pull, but you've convinced me. I'm going into this room, and I'll guarantee it's empty. Yo, what is it? Oh, hello, Miss Adams. So you really are in the hospital, huh? Oh, Blackie, come in, of course I'm here. I've heard about the awful thing that happened to Hazel. You found out anything? Yes, I just found out something. I found out what a fool idea I had. Come in. Hello, Bill. Oh, Slim, don't. Come in. Oh, what a surprise. I thought it was Blackie coming back again. Blackie was here. What for? I don't know. It didn't say. I don't like that guy. Don't like the way he snoops around. Oh, he's all right. 
Let's don't talk about him. Ah, let's not. How you feeling? Oh, better. Doctor says there's no broken bones. Guess I was lucky. Yeah, you sure were, honey. You could have been killed. Yeah. Look, you feel good enough to ride in the rodeo tonight? Oh, I could ride with my head cut off. Swell, honey. Then you're going to get out of this hospital and ride. Huh? We need you down there. Oh. You're the best girl rider we got. Oh, now that... Well, now that Hazel's gone. You always were better than Hazel in everything. <sighs> I guess it sounds sort of low for me to talk that way on account I was married to her, but you know I ain't going to shed any tears over her. No, I don't suppose anybody is, but I certainly never wanted her killed. Me neither. But, well, it's happened. We are rid of her, like we wanted. And look, you can ride tonight, huh? Yeah, you bet I can, Slim. We'll make enough in prize money between us to buy ourselves a ranch. I thought you'd say that, Belle, baby. You're an all right... Hey, are you expecting company? No, go see who it is, will you, Slim? Sure. Slim, what are you doing here? I could ask you the same thing, Barney. Oh, Barney, come on in. Thanks, Belle. How you feeling? A lot better. Seeing this here good-for-nothing cowpoke ain't going to do you no good, honey. Now get your good wishing over with, Barney, and get out of here. Belle's going to ride tonight. Huh? Hey, why, you can't do that, Belle. You got hurt last night. You still ain't... It ain't none of your business what she does, Barney. I suppose it's some of yours. I'm the one she's going to marry, ain't I? Yeah, but I'm looking out for her better than you. She ain't fit to ride tonight, and you You know... You let her decide about that. I say she rides. That's sure letting her decide. You stay out of this, Barney. You don't want her to ride because you know me and her will take a pack of that prize money away from you. I'm just worrying about her, not the money. Since when did you ever care about anything but... Boy, boy, now stop it, both of you. Thanks for your interest in me, Barney. I appreciate it, but I'm going to do what Slim says. You're a fool, Bill. That's you... enough out of you, Barney. You won't be fit to ride tonight yourself. Now, come on. We're getting out of here, the both of us. Okay, but Get Bell, dressed, still... Bill, and be down the rodeo in plenty of time. Because you're going to ride tonight, and we're going to give them a show they'll never forget. <laughs> Like we're on in a couple of minutes, Slim. Yeah, Belle. We're going to take the first two prizes, too. Oh, yeah? You'll have to beat me, both of you. We'll beat you, Barney, both of you. Yeah, you won't even finish the money if I... Hey, look who's coming. Hmm? It's Boston Blackie, that policeman Faraday, and that Miss Wesley dame. I wonder if anything's wrong. We're usually called out to the arena before the start of the contest. We haven't been called out yet. Hello, Blackie. Hello, Mrs. Adams. You know Inspector Faraday and Miss Wesley, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah, more or less. Um, Belle, you think you know me well enough to teach me how to spin this rope? Uh, after the show tonight, Miss Wesley. Oh, good, thanks. I can't seem to find out what I'm doing wrong. Uh, never mind about that rope, Miss Wesley. Come on, Blanky, tell these two guys what you have to tell them and get it over with. We can't hold up the whole show. All right, Faraday. Listen, Slim, and you too, Bonnie. I know a little bit about who killed Hazel. How much? This much. That she was killed by either you or Slim. I didn't kill her. And I didn't kill her. I don't expect either of you to confess. But I've got a plan I want to tell you about. I know which one of you killed Hazel. And I think that whoever killed Hazel also put the burr under the saddle of the horse that threw Miss Adams here. It wasn't Slim, Blackie. I just know it wasn't. Oh, trying to say it was me, huh, Bill? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Nobody has to say anything because I've already done something that's going to make the killer confess. Mm -hmm. What, Blackie? 
You two are riding out together in the trick riding contest in a moment. So I've arranged to put a burr under the saddle of the horse to be ridden by the one who killed Hazel. You did what? Nice little touch, don't you think? I can't kill the guilty man for killing Hazel, but I can give him a dose of the same punishment he gave Bell. Pleasant thought, huh? I'm not going to ride any horse with a burr under the saddle. And I'm not either. That's a good way to get busted in, too. Yes, I know. But if you didn't kill Hazel, you don't have to worry about a burr under the saddle. Come on, your horses are waiting to be ridden out into the arena. Over this way. You don't have to worry about anything, Slim. I don't, huh, Bell? Well, this guy Blackie can make a mistake, can't he? But I didn't make a mistake this time, Slim. I know who killed Hazel. And the burr is only under his saddle. Well, here are your horses. Look, Blackie. Oh, shut Darn me. I almost got the rope around that pole. I almost did it. But I, I don't know why I can't do it. What did I do wrong? Listen, we'll worry about the rope later. Hey, where's Faraday? Well, I'm over here. Where did you think? I want to be out of the way of those horses. Good idea. I guess we'd all better get back. All right, Slim, you too, Bonnie. Get on those horses. Okay, I'm getting up in the saddle. Go ahead, honey. You even bothering to get on, Barney? Of course I am. Right now. Well, so am I. Well, nothing's happened to me. Me either. Okay, let them go, boys. Here we go. Blackie, what's going on here? Nothing happened to either one of those riders. Yes, I just noticed that. What do you mean, you just noticed it? I bet you didn't put a burr under either of those saddles. No, I didn't, Faraday. I thought just telling those two I had done it would do the trick, and it did. What do you mean, it did? What's it done? It's told me who killed Hazel Henry. Oh. What? Why? Well, both Slim and Barney were convinced there was a burr under the saddle of the man who killed Hazel. Isn't that right? Well, they seem to be. Uh-huh. They were all right, Faraday. I could tell by the way they climbed into their saddles. But they did get into them. And why would they dare? Well, because they knew whoever got down would be accused of killing Miss Henry. Yeah. That's right. But they also knew that the burr was under the saddle of only the one I thought killed Hazel. So each one felt safe in getting into the saddle. Hey, that's right. Because Slim knew he didn't do it, and Barney knew he didn't do it. So what we proved is... we. Hey, what have we proved? That our pleasant little killer is sweet and pretty Belle Adams right here. What? I killed Hazel? Yes, Belle. You killed Hazel. You left the hospital to do it, and you bribed your nurse not to say you left the hospital, but it didn't work. She told you that she's lying. She didn't have to tell me. I knew you'd gone out when I went up to the hospital to see you. It was raining out, remember? So? So the soles of your shoes were wet. So this girl killed Hazel and tried to kill Slim by putting that burr under his saddle yesterday at the rodeo. Oh, no, I didn't. Hazel did that out of spite. Because he wanted to leave her and marry me. I made her admit that before I killed her. She won't get me for that. And you won't get me for killing Hazel either. Now, don't move either one of you. Blackie, she's got a gun. I know a gun when I see it, Faraday. Then you know what I'll do with it if you make a move to come after me, Blackie. Mary, drop that rope. Get out of her way. She means business. But, Blackie, I can spin the rope and I can throw it like this. Ah! Grab her, Faraday. Get that rope oh, off of me. Rope me. Drop that Let gun. Let go of me. Let go. Drop it. All right. Uh, that's let better. me out of here. And the rope is... Off now, Bill. Is that better, too? Well, you no. Know, Get her out of here, Faraday. You bet I will. Come on, sister. Move, move. Come on. Mary Gal, I'm right proud of you. I am right proud of you. Why, well, I was waiting for you to say that. You know, I caught her with that rope, didn't I? And it whirled, Blackie. And I roped her with a lasso just the way a cowboy ropes a steer. And you know, all the time I was practicing, I wondered what I did wrong. Well? Well... This time, I wonder what I did right. 
We're back with Old Time Radio Essentials. This is Pete with Paul and Dave. That was an episode of Boston Blackie, originally broadcast October 15th, 1946, in syndication, but most likely on the mutual broadcasting system. Paulie, this is your selection for this installment. What made you choose it? <laughs> Paulie? <laughs> well, I you know, I wanted a detective story, first of all. And so I just started looking at what were the most popular of the just detective stories out there. And we've done some before with the big names and all that. So I kind of went back down the list a little bit and I'm like, you know, I still hear a lot about Boston Blackie. And so I listened to a few episodes of it. I, I, I like Boston Blackie and it's, and it's very cliche in, in regards to old time radio. So I decided, let's go with the Boston Blackie. So, well, there you go. That's why I picked it. All right. Yeah. Cliche is definitely the word, Paul. Oh, ain't it, though? I, uh, what I love is every time they say something of, oh, my God, they found her dead under the horse. <laughs> there goes the that stab yeah, at can the we talk organ about and everything. The organ? Can oh. we talk about the organ for just a little bit? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> An organ was much cheaper than a full orchestra. That's probably why. Yeah, I was going to say they're definitely working on the cheap with this one. Definitely. Holy crap! You've got. I mean, you've got Mercury Theater on the air with a full orchestra, and then you've got Boston Blackie with a a, a cheap organ. <laughs> cheap, cheap organ. Got, probably got the Hammond over there. Probably played organ. by an old woman with 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 a little hair, little hat, with, with it with a veil. There was some, I mean, you know, whoever was playing the organ was definitely leaning into it. They, they were all, oh, they was like, nope, this is my they, stinger, and I'm rocking it. Dun, dun, yeah, they were like dun, 10 dun. cups of coffee into it when <laughs> when they started recording. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was some action there. Definitely some action there. Uh, yeah. A cheap-ass detective with an organ and <laughs> camped <laughs> over to. Hey, hey, don't make fun of Boston Blackie's organ. <laughs> I'm sorry, Blackie. <laughs> but when he puts it on display like that, he's inviting commentary. <laughs> so <laughs> what What I found funny right off the bat was when uh, doesn't Boston Blackie have a, a, a name outside of Boston Blackie? Because he walks up to the, to the cops. He says, I'm Boston Blackie. <laughs> OK, <laughs> is that your first name? Is that your last? Do your mom name you Boston? And then later <laughs> on, the doctor just called him Blackie like they were old friends, you know? So, yeah. Like, what the hell? And, and apparently Nevada Pete told Belle that if she was ever in trouble, she should contact Boston Blackie. And it's like, OK, first of all, who's Nevada Pete? How does he know Boston Blackie? And how do you know how to contact Boston Blackie. And where did this episode take place, by the way? Yeah. At the rodeo. I mean, weren't you listening? Where? <laughs> where? And what is Boston Blackie doing with a phone call away from a rodeo? Well, he got called in by Newark Ned. <laughs> Newark Ned, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the cousin of no, Nevada. You know, yeah, right. Nevada Ted. Maybe yeah. you know, rodeos would travel. Maybe uh, they, they got you know at the Civic Center in Boston. They, they, they held the rodeo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got a phone call from Peoria Paul. Yeah, <laughs> Peoria, Peoria Paul, Paul and, <laughs> and Peek and Pete. That's right. And Sheboygan oh. Steve. Yeah, Sheboygan Peek Steve. Don't fuck with he him. He got the little and, and, and Decatur Dave. <laughs> Decatur Dave. Yeah, baby. So, uh, um, 
we, the conversation just rolling here. I had something to say a minute ago, and I was gone. Hey, um, we're all 57 or more, so that happens a lot. Teflon brain, it's a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think oh. my favorite part is the, uh, like, three-minute outro at the end, where it's just like, let's just... Let's just play the organ for three minutes here. No, you know, and I'm listening to the whole. The first time I listen to it, I'm like, okay, so they're going to cut back and kind of do the wrap up, and and yeah. it, and, it, and it's still going, and it's like a guitar riff in well, the middle of a rock and roll song, right? Okay, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that, Paul, because if you hadn't, I already had a note on that because uh, I listened to that whole three minutes. Waiting for somebody to cut in and say, this is the mutual broadcasting system. And nothing happened. Nothing. Yeah, it's three nothing. minutes of my life I'm not going to get back. So, But but the listeners are probably confused by this. But for the benefit of our listeners, I cut that three minutes out. Bless your on heart. On your version. When you heard it today, you did not hear that three minutes. So, But you, you can find it if you look. That's right. The, the SoundCloud version I had had the three minutes. And then it got... Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Oh, uh, uh, the old Alka-Seltzer commercial was Speedy, the 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 Alka-Seltzer kid. It must have been from a rebroadcast that in could the be. 70s. <laughs> that could be. So, so many things about this. Um, now, and again, understand, I'm coming at the, I'm having written audio drama, and, and Pete, you have too. Paul, I don't know, have you, have you written audio dramas before? Nope. Okay. Just acted in them. <laughs> One thing that just struck out Time and time again is this shut that door. Okay, I'm getting back in the saddle now. Ooh, Blackie, he has a gun. All of these these verbal visual cues that no living mortal would ever say in real life. But because it's radio, oh, look, it's Boston Blackie, Inspector Faraday, and that dame, Mary Wellesley, coming down the hallway. It's like, oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God, Dave, I have that exact note. Listen, this is my note that I wrote. Lots of on-the-nose dialogue. I'm getting up into the saddle now, and the rope is off her now, and he's yes, got a gun. Yes, the rope I know what a now. gun looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so as a modern-day listener, that I'm very annoyed by stuff like that, but it's a yeah. product of its time, right? They had to very keep the story so. moving and within a certain time frame, and like – that's why they, why you always hear I'm going up the stairs now, clump 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 clump. Yep, things like exactly. That. Well, you do hear that, but but I think I think there have been other examples where you can pull that off without, as you say, being quite so on the nose. Mm -hmm. Well, so. then there's some where they're more on the nose, ain't it, Pete? Aye, aye, aye. He says, aye. <laughs> Oy. Yeah, so right, now your, in every episode, we, we refer back to episode three of our series with uh, uh, an episode of Lights Out, The Little People. The Little People. The Little People. <laughs> okay. And that we'll is full of on-the-nose dialogue. It's 20 oh. minutes of on-the-nose oh, yeah. dialogue. One person monologuing for, 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 for 20 minutes. It's just unbelievable. Okay, I'm going up the stairs now. I'm Our opening the door. I, he was, I am he was, stabbing you with this knife in your stomach, and the knife is going in, and now I am pulling <laughs> the knife out, and now the blood is coming out of the hole. <laughs> I am putting my hand on your mouth so you cannot scream. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a book called, by Scott McCloud called uh, Understanding Comics. And and this is actually pertaining to what we're describing. He talks about a, a phenomenon called blood in the gutters. 
and he shows you an example of one panel of the comic with a guy creeping up behind a girl with an axe over his head. And then the next panel is a city skyline with the e the scream e sound mm -hmm. uh, spanning across the city skyline. So you know what and, happened. And McLeod says, you decide you killed her. You, as the audience member, got to fill in the blanks and decided how long it took for her to die, how many whacks of the axe she took, all of that stuff. And that I've always found to be the beauty of audio drama is the opportunity that the way that writers and, and, and actors can foster that kind of imagination in the audiences. And, and that's, I mean, that's the real theater of the mind. And if you do that well, then it becomes this participatory uh, special effects engine experience that, that I think the best audio drama does really, really well. I've been a, a long been a proponent of uh, letting sound tell the story. So instead yes. of saying, I've got a gun, you hear the click of the hammer coming, cocking back. Yes, exactly. Um, if, if somebody's uh, going up the stairs, you just do the sound effect of somebody going up the stairs. You don't say, I'm going up the stairs now. Or right. anything like you have that. good sound effects, which can we also talk about the lame sound effects in this one? I don't when, remember when, hearing any sound effects. Yeah. Exactly. There? When, there was. There, well, when the knife, yeah, I had to go oh, back yeah, and that knife. To it a couple times. Oh, yeah. When, when, when <laughs> he <laughs> the knife, it wasn't even. It was just. Dun, dun. That's all it was. Oh, yeah. was like, you didn't even hear a. I, I thought I heard. No, there could uh, at least been a. I thought I heard. It wasn't a. It was, a, a, it was just afterwards. <laughs> and 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 when when Blackie was visiting Bell in the hospital and he's walking, it's like, what is that sound? Those are his footsteps. Oh, guys, their doors were great. Clearly, they had a door on set that they could do foley with. <laughs> but uh, I, I was I was not impressed with the sound effects in this one at all. Yeah, I, I that they didn't even register for me. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I felt that it had a good opening setup, though. The show, I yeah. mean, you establish the characters, the feud between the woman, the women over the man. You, it's set in a rodeo. But then, of course, they have to mention Boston Blackie because it's the Boston Blackie show. So <laughs> one of the girls is my friend Boston Blackie knows about this. So naturally he's needed sooner rather than later. There's some really yeah. goofy bits I wanted to point out. I'm sure you noticed the longstanding grudge that uh, Faraday has for Blackie in this episode seems very forced. They just wrote yes. some dialogue so he could complain. He could uh, uh, make fun of Boston Blackie and say, when am I going to have you in my jail cell? Things like that. And then Faraday acts like the dumbest cop in the world, <laughs> making wild guesses about who did what, just so Blackie can later show him up and look smarter than Faraday. Yep. Uh, somehow this guy made it to Inspector Rank. I don't know how. Um, and then there's one scene where uh, uh, Blackie and and Faraday are in uh, Blackie's car. They're getting ready to go pick up Mary. They never get there to pick her up because something else happens. And then later on, she's conveniently back at the rodeo. Somehow. Spinning her rope. We never right. figure out. We never hear how she got back there. So, <laughs> well, it's the magic of radio. Yes, right? Exactly. Yeah, the that, that whole radio setup for right. getting Faraday into the car. It's like Blackie says, hey, I got to go pick up mary can i drop you off at the station i'm not going to the station i'm going home oh well then i'll drive you home it's like oh okay it's like what if one thing about audio drama is that you don't have a lot of time to tell your freaking story so every freaking word 
better be moving the story forward. And there is, as you said, Pete, there's a lot of, why are we hearing this? There was that whole scene between Slim and Belle and Barney in the hospital where Boston Blackie wasn't even there. No. So, so how, how does the, how, how does this, how does the audience know what's going on if Blackie, who is our eponymous hero, isn't actually there? What's the point of having that scene? I don't get it. I don't either. I don't and then it. at the very end, Blackie reveals a lot of a lot of things that he somehow knew, right? But that were never established beforehand. <laughs> I hate that. The soles of your shoes were wet. Yes. I saw that back in the hospital. Well, then why didn't you say something back when you were at the hospital so we could have gotten in on the fun? No, <laughs> gotta have a well, big reveal because it makes him seem that much smarter. He just like whoop, like a magician just yeah. pulled it out of his hat. What do they call that? The what? infallible hero. Yeah, Boston yeah. Blackie is the infallible hero. Well, and that really, I think, speaks more to the audience necessarily than it does to the writers, although I will absolutely condemn the writers, too. But, I mean, the audience gobbled that stuff up. They're okay with that. It's like, yeah, I'm just sitting here. Just entertain me. Give yeah. me give me bread and circuses while my life is hell <laughs> and uh, or what. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> pap. Well, I, liked, uh, I wanted to point out there was one phrase that, that – that uh well something they said that reminded me of a phrase that i heard in a western i think it was when the burr under the saddle have you ever yeah, heard the yeah. phrase uh uh that hombre's been a burr under my saddle long enough yeah so <laughs> in other words yeah. that guy's been bothering me for too long so yeah if, if so somebody's I, in a pissy mood it's like who put the burr under your saddle right right so i kept yep. thinking i yep. kept thinking about that phrase and, and um, nice nice western dialect there pete yeah. too i i, well, I noticed that hombre. That was really good. Let me give you a little <laughs> little hint. You can listen to my Western saga called Jake Dimes Range Detective. Available, available at <laughs> available at this portion of our program is brought to you by raw biscuit dough and a cardboard tube. Woohoo! Yeah, and then we get to the end dough. and Mary's lack of skill with the rope. Suddenly she's skilled and she's able to catch the murderer with her rope. But she doesn't know how she did it. And then she says she didn't know how she did it. So, yeah. And that's the joke. That's the outro. That's that's yes. the tagline at the end of the story. I don't remember how I did it. And everybody rolls around laughing in their living room wah, as there's that. Wah, <laughs> right? And they were setting that up from the very first scene uh, uh, when she becomes fixated with the ropes. And it's like, what is it with ropes? What is it with you and ropes? Because, you know, I understand the the, the literary conceit of, of setting up a gag, but the setup was so blatant, so confusing and and yet so blatant that it was like what oh okay I got you got you <laughs> the the thing I love I just had to write this one down uh, when will I see you in my jail cell or when will you be leaving town Blackie and it's like around the same time radio is so obsolete that nobody remembers what it is around the year ten thousand well Blackie you're only eight thousand years off buddy. <laughs> 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 by that much that much yeah would you believe yeah. <laughs> <sighs> now, i'm surprised you didn't get a why didn't get smart get a radio show that's that was fraught with all sorts of lovely audible cues oh seriously that could have made beautiful mm. audio comedy yep all right yeah. anything else to add guys anything else you want to say about this before we vote that was my roster of kvetches. Okay. <laughs> I think we covered it pretty well. Okay, let's vote. 
Now, what are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on, one, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and B, whether or not it is a standalone (laughs) show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Paul... Baby, this is your selection, so you get to go first. Go, Paul, baby. All right. Uh, come on. I'm going to tell you what my vote is now. Okay, I Paul, like what you vote? <laughs> See, I vote yes, because this is I'm – not, I'm not giving it, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. This is the greatest thing. But it, it is a nice piece of old-time radio, and if you want to hit some of the – uh, very very stereotypical elements of like an old time radio drama, especially a detective drama. This is kind of like got a checkbox, you know, and it's kind of like a budget. You they should have called First, it BBB. Somebody gets moited. Budget Boston Blackie. Budget you know? Boston Blackie. <laughs> and but it, I still found it entertaining, which is all that it really freaking matters. Is that when you listen to it, are you entertained? Yes, I was. So to me, that's all that really matters when you boil it down. And it was a good thing to have playing when, you know, you're not going to sit there and get out the notepad and analyze the thing and try and figure out who did it and everything. You're just listening to the damn show. Unless, of course, you're on a radio show that actually deconstructs old-time radio dramas. Then you might actually stand there with a notebook. That is true. (laughs) Or if you're Ellery Queen, for that matter. (laughs) The people who are trying to make a living doing this, um, uh, (laughs) the people who are just doing it for entertainment values, uh, would just, you know, put it on one of their streaming networks and let it go. And they might go through four or five episodes while they're doing something or that, and they just enjoy it. And so that's what I think it does. It's it, it's it's enjoyable. So, I mean, I'm not going to read it any deeper than that, but I'm still going to give it a thumbs up for that. Moderately, like a three-quarters thumbs up, but three quarter thumbs up, up still. <laughs> legit. Absolutely legit. Well, I, I got to say, Boston Blackie wasn't even on my radar. So, Paul, I really appreciate you, you know, kicking this into my awareness because I'm, I'm always keen to dig into this stuff. Um, and I love a new story. So now this episode, okay, the one part, uh, yeah, very much indicative of the series, to be sure. Uh, as for the B part, whether or not it belongs in an aficionado's collection, I, I think, honestly, that depends on the nature of the collection. Because, Paul, you're absolutely right. This is indicative of this this series and, and of the broader scope. But honestly, for me, I've got to say there are probably better examples of the genre and the format out there. Uh, so I'm I'm going to give it a pass. I'm going to say nah. Okay, good. <sighs> well, uh, I'm, I'm like the rest of you. I'll vote a thumbs up for the first question. From what I've read, this is very much a Boston Blackie episode that kept to the formula. So I'd say without having heard very many episodes, actually, that it's representative of the series. I'm willing to throw that out there and make that guess. As to the second part, uh, the only way I could recommend this for radio aficionados is if is in the subcategory subcategory of Boston Blackie fans, if there are any. Uh, after the, <laughs> after the uh, interesting establishing dialogue, there's got to be. I found a website. Yeah. <laughs> Now, after the interesting establishing dialogue at the top of the show, it quickly fell into the formulaic groove, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. 
So that's a thumbs down for me on the second question, unless you're a Blackie fan, and then I say go for it. Absolutely. So that's uh, three yeses for one and uh, two two no's and, and one a yes three quarters. Oh, three quarters. <laughs> and three quarters. So uh, two and one quarter no, but a three quarter yes on on B. Oh, by the way, uh, Dave, sometimes we have uh, uh, A and two. On those yeah, questions. Excellent. <laughs> I, I, I alternate. I, I stand. I, I will be poised and ready to. If you to... had read the script in advance, this would not have been <laughs> I, a surprise. I absolutely dude. You Can you doubt that I didn't read the script in advance? I was totally playing for comedy on that one. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. Damn, he's good. I am good. I am. Damn I will good. buy that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, this brings us to the end of episode 23 of Old Time Radio Essentials with Dave Robison, Pete Lutz, and me, Paul RBC. Next time, the cycle comes around to Dave. And uh, what are you bringing to us for your first selection, Dave? Well, I honestly, I, you know, when I listened to Boston Blackie, I, 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 it felt more like a rodeo show and a Western than it did uh, necessarily a detective uh, piece. So I I went back to the well of of detective fiction. I don't mean to double up on the detective vibe, but for next episode, uh, we're going to pull from the adventures of Philip Marlowe, uh, Ooh, an episode call. titled The Red Wind. Uh, it first aired June 17th, 1947, and it is a beautiful adaptation of Raymond Chandler's story by the same name. This is delicious noir goodness at its absolute finest. Now, isn't this the very first episode of Philip Marlowe with Gerald Moore? Uh, no, the, it's the, the one before that. Is it with it Van was, Heflin? Uh, Van Heflin, yeah. Van Heflin, okay. I thought Van Heflin was a terrific uh, Philip Marlowe. I did, too. Yeah. I did, too. I didn't care for, I didn't care for his, uh, uh, his successor as much. Or the scripts, I guess, I didn't care for as much. Yeah, well, they veered away from uh, actual Marlowe stories is why. But we'll talk yeah. about that next time. Sounds Indeed. Great. Indeed. Sounds great, Dave. And listeners, we hope you'll join us for that next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Dave, Paul, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe on Apple or any other podcatcher you may use by searching under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. Please follow us on the Twitters at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at F6.3 at gmail.com. Now that's the letter F, the number six, the word point, P-O-I-N-T, and the number three at gmail.com. No, I'm not going to say that again. And <laughs> put the word essentials in the subject line. Remember, friends, we're always happy to hear from our listeners. So please do send us feedback and suggestions. And if you didn't catch our email when Dave spelled it out so professionally, rewind <laughs> and listen again or just look for it in the show notes. So what did you think, Dave? You think you'll stick around for a while? Well, I'll tell you, Pete. Life is a strange and mysterious thing, and I have long since learned that if you want to make God laugh, you tell her your plans, okay? But as long as you feel like I'm bringing something useful to the conversation, I will be delighted to join in. 
Sweet. All the guy had to do was say yes or no for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm, just trying, I'm, I'm waiting for Pete's that. reaction. If you just ask him that setup and he goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. If it had no. been me, I would just want to. No. Uh huh. <laughs> no, I'm not coming back. Don't, don't call me. I'll call you. <laughs> okay. It's time to wrap things up. That's it for now, everybody. Join us next time for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye bye for now. Toodles, everybody. Looking at it. Looking at it. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Paulie. Take Thank it easy, you guys. Good times. Get comfortable and listen. <laughs> hey, Dave, I, I got a phone book here. Would you read a few pages of it for me? <laughs> 63 Audio. This is Mutual. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic and live radio drama. So yeah, either the main Mutual Audio Network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.